the biggest motivator for us in this work is to build community power. We really want to build a pathway with our community members and um, our neighbors and family and friends that says there's space for you in the democratic process. Hello and welcome to this episode of Who Belongs, a podcast by what used to be called the Haas Institute, but which a couple of weeks ago changed its name to the Othering and Belonging Institute, still here at UC Berkeley. This episode is going to be another one of those collaborations with the Civic Engagement Narrative Change Project with the interviews conducted by my colleague from that project, Josh Clark, and he'll be interviewing two guests. They are Michael Daly, the director of the Inland Empowerment Coalition, and his colleague, Sky Allen, who is the census coordinator at the same organization, and you'll hear about what they do in just a moment. Please enjoy their conversation. This is the third in a series of podcast episodes we've done on the 2020 census as part of the collaboration between Who Belongs and the Civic Engagement Narrative Change Project at the Othering and Belonging Institute. In an earlier episode, we got a broad overview of what's at stake in the census in terms of the allocation of federal resources and power. And in another, we spoke with Louisa Blue about the importance of the census as a tool for making Asian and Pacific Islander communities visible in state and national civic and political landscapes. Today, we'll be speaking with the director and the census coordinator of Inland Empowerment, which is a partnership of nonprofit organizations in Southern California that's working to get information out and to mobilize hard-to-count populations across the Inland Empire region to fill out 2020 census forms. The Inland Empire, for those who don't know, is basically the counties of San Bernardino and Riverside in Southern California. These are the inland neighbors of the coastal counties of Los Angeles and Orange County. Together, they span a huge area, uh, and something that I didn't actually know until recently is that San Bernardino is the largest county in the entire country by landmass, um, and by quite a lot. Riverside County is pretty large as well, so the whole two-county Inland Empire region is bigger than 10 different states in the United States. Our guests from Inland Empowerment sit on the steering committee of the Census IE Coalition, a coalition of nonprofits working for a complete count in the Inland Empire, or the IE. Inland Empowerment provides technical expertise spanning data management, communications, and coalition coordination for Census IE Coalition. So without further ado, welcome Sky and welcome Michael uh, to Who Belongs. Thank you so much. So first, I wondered if you could tell me a bit more about the specifics of the Census IE Coalition. What kind of groups are involved and what's their focus? And then also more about the concrete work that the two of you and the Inland Empowerment team are contributing. So um, a little bit about the work we're doing in the Inland Empire. Um, we kind of have two different um, coalitions working, but they kind of overlap and work together also to ensure a complete count for our region. So Michael and myself, Sky, um, we do a lot of work. And as you mentioned, we're part of the steering committee for the Census IE Coalition, was a coalition of nonprofit organizations and community-based organizations in the two counties um, under the broader head of our administrative community-based organization, the Community Foundation, who is receiving funding from the state of California to organize and um, oversee the outreach within the two counties for census outreach. So on the nonprofit side, we kind of have this structure that we developed and infrastructure that we created out of the census work. 
So it kind of has, I shared the community foundation. It's kind of the, the ones at the top who are overseeing things and ensuring that communication is happening between each other and between the state. And then you have other steering committee members, support groups, technical assistance providers, um, like our coalition, Inland Empowerment. Um, so there's three kind of organizations who are supporting in that capacity, offering support. One of them is um, Inland Empowerment, who is doing data management and then coordination and communication support. So we're kind of helping managing all of the data when it comes to that outreach, as well as supporting the nonprofits in talking with each, amongst each other and talking with the broader community. We also have a lot of support from the University of California Riverside Center for Social Innovation, who is supporting us with research and evaluation of the work that we're doing so that we can track the growth of the region and the nonprofits through the census work. We also have the support of the National Association of Latino Elected and Appointed Officials, or NALEO, supporting us with overall training and communication support. So that's the nonprofit side of things. Okay. Um, and then kind of running parallel and sometimes sometimes overlapping, but mostly parallel, we have a coalition of folks from all sectors, and that's kind of underneath what is called a complete count committee, which I don't know if you've covered on previous ones, but typically cities and counties form complete count committees to involve all the people within that specific area to talk about what they can do to support census outreach. One thing that's kind of unique about our region, our two counties, is that the two, the heads of the two counties decided to work together and then involve everyone else into it. Um, and they're doing that through a number of different subcommittees, and it's actually a pretty cool structure. So they, they broke it up mostly by function, but like I said, there's also a lot of different collaboration that's happening within those. So we have education, recruitment, and training, media marketing, interagency coordination, field outreach, stakeholder expansion and advocacy, and data research and evaluation. So all of these different subcommittees with folks from the county governments, the city governments, the nonprofits, philanthropy, media, all of these people at the same table talking about what they can do and what they can offer and how they can support each other in getting the word out. When you mentioned um, being in charge of data management, I wondered if you could explain a little bit about like what, what data that is. I, I assume that's data for strategizing how to, how to reach people on the ground or how to, how to make contact, but um, could you say a little bit more about what the data management piece is that um, you're, you're working on? So it's working with the organizations to think about how to utilize tech so it's more efficient, so it's coordinated, there's no duplicative outreach happening, and then also to track the data and ensure that we are um, reaching the quantity of folks we need to reach as well as where we're reaching those folks. Um, so we're using an existing tool that we've used here at Inland Empowerment called Amplify that we've been using for like civic engagement. Um, but we modified the database so that the indices were at the parcel level, um, which was really conducive for census outreach because we're going to be reaching both voters and non-voters alike. Yeah, as, as I think you know, the Othering and Belonging Institute has been supporting research in Las Vegas on people's awareness and concerns about participating in the census. Um, especially in immigrant communities. And one of the things that stands out in that research so far is that um, even among people who really know almost nothing about what the census is for, or what questions are on the census, um, they know that it involves someone knocking on their door. It's people with clipboards going door to door. Like that's, that's kind of a, a baseline understanding of the census. 
except that next year it's not going to be that way. So um, I wondered if you could explain that a little bit, like how the online administration of the census form is going to work, and then how much of a challenge that's going to be um, for the Census IE Coalition. So unfortunately, I don't think we have a good assessment of how the online is going to work, and I, I'm not even sure. I'm not sure who does. So we heard originally that you got to have a desktop that you couldn't do. You couldn't fill it out online through a mobile device or a tablet or even possibly a Chromebook. But now we're hearing, oh, there's actually going to be an, uh, an, a mobile-friendly app or a mobile-friendly version of a browser application. So I think it's still up in the air a little bit, and we're oh my. anxiously waiting <laughs> to find out what it is. <laughs> uh, okay. um, but we know that they are opening them up. Like you can still request paper if you chose to. So um, it's not total. It's not going to be totally a close off of of traditional methods. Um, but we are still concerned. I mean, obviously, places that don't have good broadband and places who have um, are going to be hugely affected by this. Mm -hmm. So if they don't have a computer in the house or they don't have internet in the house, it could be really hurtful to have online only. Um, we also know that they're going to have like a phone call in option as well. But what we're doing to address all of this is to try to set up what we're calling QACs, which would be, oh, Sky's going to have to help me what the acronym stands for, but it's basically like Census Fulfillment Center. Questionnaire Assistance Center. There we go. Okay, thanks, Sky. <laughs> And so we're 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 going to have these QACs throughout the region, and we're going to try to make it so folks can essentially go to our website, sign up for a time. Um, they come to our site. We can help them. We'll give them access to a computer to fill out the census, and then they we're there for any questions that they have. And so hopefully that'll reduce some of the barriers. Um, and then we're also going to have like a mobile version of the QAC as well. So okay. we're really working with organizations right now in the community to identify QACs that have uh, that are multilingual, have mm -hmm. staff that are covering all the languages in that community, as well as having mobile uh, QACs to probably hit some of the more rural areas um, or address some of the languages that aren't geographically confined to any region or any subregion. Wow, it is really surprising to me that um you know, at this late stage in the game, the Census Bureau hasn't made available to, um, I guess, to the public, um, but especially to organizations that are supporting this work and the complete count, um, you know, clear parameters of what the online system is going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. I do think um, this is new for all of us, right? Um, we've never done um, an online survey of this magnitude Right, so the cool thing about census is it involves everybody, right? It's not just folks over 18, it's not just citizens or certain sorts of people. But the challenge with that is that if you're literally trying to count every single person in the United States and you want to encourage them to self-respond, then you're trying to create data that supports people in ways that, uh, at, a, at a concentrated time, that many other things, or I don't even know if any other things do that sort of thing. So I think the Census Bureau is struggling a little bit to get all of this in a timely manner, especially as we know because of that back and forth of the citizenship question that kind of put them on, on hold for a little bit. I think there's a little bit of catch up that's happening. Um, I believe come January, we probably should have more information. I think 
as of the past couple of weeks, we've been getting more information about how it's going to work. Um, but we also know that the Census Bureau is essentially having less funding than they should for this as well, right? So right. They were told, they were instructed not to spend a penny more on the 2020 census than they did on the 2010 census, even with this new development, even with the growth of, the obvious growth of people in the United States. So I think part of it is a time constraint with the, all of the court rulings and the funding issue. Uh, it is a bit concerning that we don't have all the information regarding the, the logistics of the online survey. But as of now, I think the primary goal is just focusing on getting the word out about it. Because even, even now, a lot of people either don't know about the census, they don't trust the census, they don't know that the citizenship question isn't going to be on there, they don't know that it's online, right? So even before we get to how to fill it out online, there's still so many things that we have to share with folks leading up to that. So I think we mm -hmm. still have our work cut out for us even before we get there. So hopefully by the time we do get there, um, we'll be able to break down some of those barriers with the community first. I wonder if um, there are other issues that you want to mention um, that you know are going to make it hard to reach certain people or, or convince certain, uh, you know, members of certain groups to fill out the form. The one that's, uh, that, that's occurring even right now as we've been uh, planning, because we do have some organizations who are out in the field with petitions. So asking community members, like, will you pledge to fill out the census for your family? Mm. And if not, who should we be talking to? It's the citizenship question still continues to come up. And so the scare from last year that there was even going to be one on there um, has has not gone away. And people, a lot of the community members aren't aware that it was shut down and that, there, that the citizenship question is off the table. They're still under the impression that it's there and that they're not going to fill out the census because they don't want to have to answer that question. And so um, I think getting over that, it's, we're, we're going to have to do a, a concerted um, public awareness campaign to ensure that folks know that the census is not going to be asking for your citizenship status, and and that no no question asked can be used for anything other than the census. And I, I think it's about building that trust with community agents via the trusted partners in the community, because I don't think community members are trustful of the government at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, as as you're kind of explaining, part of this is about reaching folks and giving them information, raising awareness, kind of as an educational. Um, you know, uh, ethos to it. And then another part is about convincing people. Um, and, and, you know, some of that is information um, that, you know, with correct information, hopefully you'll be able to convince people. But um, it's also about message uh, to some extent. Mm -hmm. And um, I, so I wondered how the IE Coalition um, has gone about developing a strategy for what kinds of messages might work. Um, especially, you know, with respect to fears like Michael just mentioned um, or uh, any other kinds of concerns that people have about about filling out the form. I think, you know, messaging strategies are always kind of living strategies, right? So as we continue to do outreach and continue to talk to community members, it may change a little bit, but kind of the core of what we're doing right now is really listening to all of the national research that's already been conducted about what works and what doesn't work, right? 
there's a lot of research with different communities and different states, um, with different age groups that kind of kind of share the share the same kind of result. That the one of the best ways to communicate why the census is important for folks is to focus on the resources, focus on the family, and make it personal, right? So mm -hmm. we can talk about representation and how important it is that we have equitable representation and and at the congressional level, at the state level. And for some people that may really hit a nerve, but for a majority of the folks that may be mildly interesting, right? That's not as tangible. We can talk about um, being empowered by the census. And this is an opportunity for all of us to participate and to affirm that we exist in this community and we're here. Uh, and that kind of activist message and um, resistance sort of message, you could say, works for some people as well. And we're keeping that in mind, but it's not the biggest one. So we're really trying to focus our messaging on the resources, the funding, focus on the family, all of the tangible things that everyone can relate to and focusing on that and then see what touches a nerve and then expand upon those things, right? And then, so that's kind of the, the message that we're focusing on, making it as personal as possible, but also doing it multiple times by multiple people. So we have canvassing efforts where we want to go door-to-door -door -door and get their contact information so we can follow up with them with a couple months via a phone call or a text message. And then right before it goes live in like March and April, reminding them once more. So multiple touches for the people in your community. We want to engage the media to be having media blasts on local media and ethnic media and having different interviews and different broadcasts of why this is important for that community. We want to have billboards and events and community, just regular community outreach, trying to share this as much as possible um, in as many ways as possible to kind of break that barrier in people's minds by people that look like them and talk like them and go to the same events as they do, that this matters and this includes us as well. That's kind of how we're structuring our strategy overall, and I don't think that's going to change at all, but the specifics of what people say may change by the community that we're talking to. It sounds like uh, kind of get the information out there on all fronts from what you were saying just now, Sky. Um, but I wonder yeah. about kind of like how you're thinking about the right messenger, the right, the right ones to be engaging like the hardest to reach populations. So I think our core idea is that the best folks to reach hard to count community members are other hard to count community members, right? So the best people to talk to other folks are the people within their communities. So we're not just um, having random people go to your door who so are not from your community or don't look like you don't relate to kind of share why it's important because then you won't see yourself in it. And I think some of the, I mean, for our community, we're definitely trying to keep a comprehensive approach to it and knowing that there's a lot of really hard to count folks and that looks different in different areas, right? So we have a lot of rural communities in the Inland Empire, specifically in like the high desert or the Coachella Valley who have a lot of PO boxes and maybe don't have a lot of broadband subscriptions. So how do we, you know, share this information when they're not going to be getting anything in the mail um, and it may be difficult to fill it out online. How do we share this information, right? So that's a really tricky strategy that we have to think about. So it's going to be a lot of direct um, outreach via canvassing and just, just blasting different events and sort of things like that in the community. 
really specific places like grocery stores and gas stations even and churches and libraries and things like that, resources that the community utilizes and sharing, you know, you may not have a personal computer or strong broadband access, but you can go to the census center and you can call and get support in these different languages. So a lot of uh, a lot of that by the people who live there, by the people who are already doing work in that community. For other groups, um, it'll be language barriers, right? So people yeah. who don't speak English, people who don't speak Spanish, um, really finding folks that do speak languages like Chinese, Vietnamese, Korean, Arabic, that live in this community can share, this is why it matters to us, this is why we should be included in it, even if we don't speak English, or even if we don't, we were not born in this country, right? So I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, there's about four and a half million people that live in the two counties. A million of them are immigrants. So that's a particularly difficult um, group to, con to, to convince, as we've mentioned before, part because of the citizenship question, but also just because of that civic engagement piece of typically if they may not see themselves in these processes, right? So sharing that the census does include you. We do want you to participate. This does reach you in tangible, physical ways and will continue to do so for the next 10 years. And having that message being shared by other immigrants, by other folks that look like you and talk like you and share the same cultural aspects of you. Um, so our goal is just to identify folks where they are, as they are, and give them the tools to encourage their family, their friends, neighbors, and other community members to fill it out with them in ways that are personal and and, and really reach them where they are. Yeah, this sounds like, you know, such a kind of uh, multi-everything kind of coalition. <laughs> you know, you're, you're working on multiple... <laughs> multiple fronts, multiple kinds of touches, and then, you know, the multiple different sectors that you're trying to draw on and across, like, mm -hmm. different levels and scales as well. Um, I don't know. It just makes me think, I, I think, um, you know, so obviously the last census was in 2010. Um, we were all, you know, relatively young or younger, at least at that time. But I, I wonder how much... Um, how much this is kind of like you're developing the playbook as you're executing the playbook. Like th this is oh, all of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all of it. Yeah. This is a level of coordination that we're really not used to experiencing. Um, I was quite young during the 2010 census, so I can't yeah. <laughs> speak to it on a, a work level considering I was like 13. Um, <laughs> right. But Definitely. Growing the age. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely new for a lot of folks. Most of the people yeah. who are doing the census work now in, in the two counties and probably all over the state weren't doing it in 2010. And part of that is because we were in a recession in 2010, so there wasn't as much funding available. And especially since we're um, involving a lot of nonprofits, that's definitely you know, if there wasn't that funding available, there not, may not have been a lot of opportunity for nonprofits to engage in this anyways. But just at large, you know, the census is a really niche sort of type of work typically. Um, and doing this level of coordination with this many people um, is definitely new for a lot of us. And it's been um, a growing experience, kind of building this infrastructure and what does that look like and what's going to work and what's not going to work. And having to go back to the drawing board and reconfigure some things. Like, okay, maybe that wasn't the most successful. Let's rebuild and come up with new messages and strategies. 
So um, it's definitely um, a work in progress, but I think it's been really fruitful for the region, and I'm hoping that at the end of it, um, it'll give us a lot more tools to pull from in 2030, that moving forward, um, the infrastructure is there to do this sort of outreach, and the community is more ready to receive this sort of message by the end of it. You mentioned earlier California, the state of California providing um, resources and support. Um, what what has been sort of the nature of, of state government's involvement in helping, you know, pull off uh, a complete count and get out the count activities um, for this, you know, federal enumeration? So we started, it, it's like, I feel like we're playing chicken before egg or egg before chicken battle, like constantly. So the community organizations started organizing themselves back in, I want to say October of 2018, right before the cycle ended. Um, and everybody was like, oh my God, we got to start thinking about census. Like it's right The electoral the cycle. Yes. Yeah. Right before the general. Yeah. And so um, folks started thinking about it. And then, you know, of course we were in the middle of the election. So like as soon as we were done with the election, we started conversations. Um, I think the counties started forming their IECCCs, which is the like county complete count committee. Oh goodness, I want to say spring of 2019, Sky. Yeah, the resolution to create a two-county committee was approved in like February, and I think it kicked off in okay. April. So then there was like this. Oh, the community groups kind of already had. They had developed like this this pre implementation plan, or they had like a strategic plan kind of lined out, and so the county was trying to catch up to it a little bit, and then you know the and then the county has bureaucratic um, restrictions as well, so they needed to move a little bit slower. So it's been a little bit of catching up with each other, and then also working with the county and and their restrictions to ensure that we all have the same coordinated plan, but I would say it's taken us a lot to get where we're at now, but it's, it, now we're at the counties having constant communication with the administrative CBO, who's kind of overseeing the, the community-based organization outreach. They're the, the fiscal uh, vessel for all of the outreach amongst community-based organizations. So there's a lot of coordination happening now, but it was, it took a long time and it, and it wasn't exactly the easiest. Um, but we finally got there, and and it really was the state pushing and prodding everybody along the way, and forcing us all in the same room that I think was really helpful. So they came down a couple of times, and had these local regional workshops, where they invited um, all of the county stakeholders. So it was like the counties were there, um, boards of education were there, the universities were there, the community-based organizations were there, and the, and the state really facilitated those conversations and early and it, and it was successful so where we're at now is a really good good place um i think going forward the lesson learned from this cycle and when i say the cycle i mean the, the census cycle is thinking about it october of 2018 for 2020 was way too late um these hmm. conversations actually needed to be happening uh early in 2018 and it's not actually 2017 just to lay the groundwork, get the committee started, and then we could kind of take it slow and steady for a year or two until we needed to ramp up. 
but it's been really chaotic. But I think we're in a pretty good position now. I think the biggest motivator for us in this work is to build community power. A lot of this, you know, census might be transactional if you do it a particular way. You know, we're saying folks, we want to try to build an infrastructure, not just for all of the community-based organizations and all of these different sectors to get to know each other and play nice with each other and things like that. We really want to build a pathway with our community members and um, our neighbors and family and friends that says there's space for you in the democratic process, right? There's space for you and all of this work. This isn't outside of you. This includes you. We don't want this to be transactional hey, fill out the census and then bye, we're gone, right? We want to fill out the census, you know, engage with us. Okay, now we have this next project coming up. We have the general in November. How can we continue to engage these folks? We have the particular issues that different advocacy groups work on. How do we continue to engage them? We have different services provided by these direct service organizations. How do we continue to engage them? So I think our goal is to build the shared power and the networking of other nonprofits, but also to really uplift and empower the people in our community to see themselves in this process and really draw down the resources that are designed for them, right? So even though we have a particularly high-risk census next year, the census has never fully counted everyone. You know, we know that. So really thinking about the communities that need these resources the most are typically the ones that are pushed out and disqualify for receiving them because for whatever reason they weren't able to participate in processes like this. So we want census outreach to be as comprehensive and as personal as possible to bring in and uplift the people who need the resources that it provides the most. And that wraps up this episode of Who Belongs. I'd like to thank our guests, Michael Daly, the director of Inland Empowerment, and Sky Allen, who is a census coordinator at the same organization. I'd also like to thank my colleague, Joshua Clark, a researcher from the Civic Engagement Narrative Change Project for hosting this episode and conducting the interviews. For more, please visit our website at belonging.berkeley.edu. Thank you for listening.